I can't, but he can. We've all been trying to fill this hole inside. We got to fill it with God or we're not, we're going to keep filling it. Hey everybody, and welcome to the Raised and Redeemed podcast and YouTube channel. I'm your host, Michaela Nikolenko, and I started this show after finally finding my home in Christ. I grew up in a home with lots of abuse and addiction where Christianity became something that repelled me. I spent my early adulthood seeking God in other religions, tarot cards, psychedelics, and even myself. I didn't realize how much hell I had pulled up into my life until I came face to face with the dark side of the spirit world and Jesus fought hard to save me. Now I live to serve his will and host a platform where others can share their story too. If you're looking for a show that talks about real things and provides encouragement for those who have been to the dark side and back, this is the show for you. Make sure to rate, subscribe, and share this show with anyone that you feel might be encouraged by it too. Thank you so much for joining me and welcome to the Raised and Redeemed family. Hey you guys, and welcome back to the Raised and Redeemed podcast and YouTube channel. My name is Michaela, and today I have on somebody who is very near and dear to my heart. Her name is Maddie Lona, aka Maddie Overmeyer, and we've been friends for many years, pretty much since infanthood. So we grew up struggling with a lot of the same things, we're in a lot of the same places, and I've gotten to watch Maddie's redemption all the way from the depths of addiction to now where she is as an amazing mama, wifey, and on the horizon of finishing nursing school. So today, Maddie shares some behind the scenes of what it was like living that fast life, all the destruction and chaos and and pain of that, and the way that God just continued to preserve her life along the way. There's just one more thing I wanna preface before we get started, and that's that Maddie wouldn't necessarily consider herself a born again believer or believer in Jesus or the Bible, but she has been working through the 12 steps and on a journey of seeking God. And as she goes into in this show, seeking something higher than herself. And based on what scripture says, if you seek me with all your heart, you will find me. And I believe that she's well on her way. So just so you guys know, I know that most of the guests on the Raised and Redeemed show are born-again believers, and I myself am a born-again believer, but that doesn't mean that all of my guests will be. So without further ado, let's get on to the show. Thank you so much for being on the show today, Maddie. Just so the listeners have a little bit of background, we've been friends forever. It's one of those friendships that we could not talk to each other for like five years, and then we'd talk the next day, and it would be as as if nothing ever changed. So I have you on the show today because your story is one that just really inspires me. We came from the same place, um, struggled with parents or a parent that was into the same sort of things. And um, yeah, I know just what that led you into in your life. And so I want to hear about your redemption story because you've done a complete 180 just in struggling with addiction. And now like your whole like wifey mama you're finishing school like you're doing all the things so I'm just yeah thank you so much for being on the show today yeah of course yeah so I want to just start with how you got into everything you got into and if you would wouldn't mind like telling just the story of of what that was because honestly I'm excited to hear too because we were in college at the same time mm-hmm. and I feel like like we both started to fall off around the same time, but I feel like you went harder 
and faster Mm -hmm. (laughs) in the substance sort of direction. So I would just like to hear like what you think led into all of that. Yeah. So I think like all of it, like I think from the very beginning, like when I was young, you know, like I had these alcoholic tendencies, Mm -hmm. you know, and these addicted, like this addictive personality, like whether it was with like attention from like boys or my dad or um, just whoever in my life at that friends, even like I would do anything. I mean, you know, we both did it. We were the same. (laughs) Like, changing underwear and, and and changing clothes in the girl's bathroom, like to fit in, you know, because I wanted to be like everybody else Yeah. in middle school, you know, and like, even in elementary school, I think like, that's, I always had this like tendency to just like feel different and feel like I needed to fit in and all of these things, which is like, now I know, like, is all just part of like, my isms, you know, my alcoholism, my addiction, like all the things, you know, I think, um, so I think it started then. And then like, eventually, like, you know, when we were like 11, I think, I don't know if you were there, but I know we hung out at the same places, you know, and like, we probably took our first drinks together, like our first few drinks, like we took together. And like, that is when it started, you know, like, I didn't know at the time, but like, ever since then, I was chasing that first drunk, that first drunk, or that first high that I got, you know, yeah. And I think maybe at first when I first did it, it wasn't like because I wanted to drink. I didn't know what it was really. I just wanted to fit in. Mm-hmm. But then, and mind you, I have an alcoholic father, you know. I mean, yeah. you knew my dad growing up. So like I knew what alcohol was. I knew what it did. I watched my dad get drunk, you know, but I did it. That's not why I did it. I did it more, I think, to fit in. And then once I did it, I got that feeling. And it was like that first feeling was like, oh. And then all of a sudden, I didn't care. I didn't care about fitting in. I didn't care what I looked like. I didn't care, you know? And from the beginning, I was blacking out. Like, from yeah. the beginning, I was a blackout drinker. And, like, I think that's to say something, you know? Not everybody black out, blacks out. If you do black out, like, there might be an issue. All the time is a little bit different. Most people, like, they black out and they're like, oh, I shouldn't drink like that again. You know, like, I need to n- learn my limits. I never did that. I was like, oh, let's see how far I can push it. Did you feel like when you were drinking, like you, because for me, I think I would black out because I wouldn't notice I was even ever buzzed. I wouldn't think I was ever buzzed until I was blacked out. And then, Mm -hmm. and then it was too far gone. Yeah. I mean, I think I remember, um, like I have this memory of you and I in a cabin, you know, and like they handed us like a, a a gallon of Kamchatka, you know, a vodka. And both of us just like chugged the entire gallon and it was just like done. And like before, I don't even think we had a minute to feel the buzz. Like it was just instantly instantaneous that I was like, I need to get to where I want to be and I'm not going to take my time doing it, you know? Mm -hmm. And I think that's what led into the drugs because, you know, I drank with my dad. I drank with you guys. Like I drank with all my friends. I drank alone. And then eventually, like when I got into high school, you know, I experimented with some drugs, but not the same drugs, you know, like marijuana, you know, like other, which is like good for some people, like totally support it. But like, for me, no, like even that I take to the extreme, even that, like I take to the extreme and I have to do it all the time because I have this addictive personality. Um, and then when I got into college, you know, like my dad had gotten arrested. So my dad's in prison now I'm on my own. I have this, I mean, my mom, love her so much, but she was so worried about me all the time that like I was constantly grounded or I was constantly like on this like leash, you know? And I think like, you know, she 
supported me going far away from school, but I think she would have preferred me to stay home. And then like, I finally got this like little bit of freedom. Yep. And it was like, bam, an animal out of the cage. Yeah. It was like, I'm out, I'm free. But then I started experimenting with other stuff. You know, I started getting, hanging out with, I was always hanging out with older kids. Even you were too. Like we were always hanging out with older kids, even in high school as like an eighth grader, I was hanging out with freshmen. You know, I was a freshman, I was dating a senior. You know, like that's what I was going to say, Maddie, is like the kids that we grew up with that were older than us, they were drinking. So once again, to fit in, we wanted to be drinking because because they were we wanted to be hanging out with them, doing what they were doing. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah. Yeah. The older kids. Exactly. Yes. So I think like it was the older kids. And then when I got into college, like I was this older kid, you know, I was the older kid and I can pretty I got a fake ID. You know, I could do basically whatever I wanted, however I wanted. Yeah. Um, But then it got to a point where like alcohol was kind of like an issue, you know, like it was took me took longer to get there. You know, it took longer to get to where I wanted to go. It took more to get to where I wanted to go. And then I found um, drugs, whatever. It did not matter. Like you name it. I've done it for the most part. Um, If it was available, I've done it. And like so I got into these drugs. Well, first I got into like pills and stuff, you know, like pills were the first thing because like I was in college and I wanted to stay up and I wanted to like be able mm-hmm. to party and all of the things. And then um, that wasn't enough. And then I started getting really to a point where I was doing drugs just way too much. You know, like I was doing them way too much and I couldn't afford it anymore. Like mm-hmm. I didn't grow up with money, you know, like that was never a thing. My mom was a single mom. My dad's in prison, you know, well, my mom was remarried at the time, but still like she had five kids, Yeah, five kids. So like, she did the very best she could and she did a great job, but like, we didn't have a lot of money. So I'm going to school on financial aid and I'm trying to work while I'm in college and I just didn't have the money, you know? So then I'm trying to keep up with this habit that I've now created mm. and I'd have no money. So then I start selling my body. Oh, I yeah. start selling my body while I'm in college. And then I'm selling my body while I'm in college to pay for the stuff that I want to do. And then I'm using more because I'm selling my body because of the shame and the guilt that's associated with that. So then I think like it was, I got like one semester, I think I even went and visited you while I was in college and you were like, I was like looking for stuff, you know, wanting to do all the things. And you were like, whoa, like you're a little. Yeah. I remember thinking you were even more extreme because like I was just more so boy crazy at that time. I just wanted to be where the boys were at, but I feel like, yeah, you were looking for the goods. (laughs) Mm -hmm. You were looking for the boys and I was looking for the goods. And like, that's, you know, like, we both had our own addictions at the time. Oh, you know, it amen. just was, yeah, so different. Yeah. Um, Find a fresh take on a fall getaway to Wilmington, North Carolina and beaches. Enjoy hiking trails in a state park, fresh seafood with a sight of live music and fall festivals galore. Then live it up along the Riverwalk in Wilmington's historic downtown with three island beaches, Carolina, Curie and Wrightsville and a vibrant downtown. You get the best of the Carolina coast all in one place. Plan your fall getaway at WilmingtonandBeachesVacation.com. So, and at that point, like I didn't, I mean, of course I was like sleeping around with people, like aside from like my side job that I had, you know, like I was sleeping around with people, but it like never brought me any comfort. I didn't want anybody to put this expectation on me to like act a certain way. So I didn't want that. Um, but after like my freshman year of college, like I talked to my mom, I was failing out and she was just like, maybe you should come home, you know? And I was like, yeah, I think you're right. Like, and I used that as like, but like most of my friends that I was using with were back home. Like I was going to Indy 
in college and then driving back home and doing my thing on the weekend and then going back. Yeah, well, exactly. And I was going to say that too, like going back to the root of like fitting in, I was going to ask how much of it has to do with like the town we're from. Um, Mm. Because it seems like addiction is just so rampant there and nobody sees it as an issue. Like people drink all the time. They do drugs all the time. And like, it's just seen very, very casual. So I don't know how much of it has to do with our town. When I first got sober, I think that I thought that like all of it had to do with our town and like 1000% people, places and things. Like if I'm staying around the same people and staying around the same places, the same things are going to happen. But like, I also like know that I'm an addict and I'm an alcoholic and like wherever I go, I bring those two things with me, you Mm -hmm. know? Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're the common denominator. Yeah. I'm the common denominator. Like I can, you know, like for sure. Like I think it wasn't like back home, it's not stigmatized or it is, but it's It's not right. Exactly. But it's like not, you know, like I used with people, the first people that I used and got drunk with are like in college, graduated college, doing all the things like, yeah, absolutely no issues. Same with like, I was still doing all the things. But I was also still able to get straight A's and be functional. So nobody ever thought I had a problem. Yeah. And that's the thing. It's like, I I was just like, and I remember like being so mad at people, like people that we went to high school with, you know, because at this point in time, I'm not hanging out with a lot of people that we went to high school with. It's different people. But I remember being so angry at the people we went to high school with because I heard that they were like saying X, Y, and Z about me. And I'm like, You're, I used with you. Yeah, I drank with you. Like, what are you talking about? You know, but like now I see it and I see it all the time. Like there's a group of people, you know, and like they start off together and they start off drinking together and then they grow up. Some grow up and some stay in the same cycle. Like I think out of that group of us, you know, like a few of us have been to jail. A few of us have like went down just crazy paths, you know, and then some of us had absolutely no issues. Right. And I think like for people who don't have addictive personalities and like alcoholism, I'm so happy for you. You know, like I would never wish that upon anybody, but like, I think it's also like something that like we can talk about. Then I moved back home, you know, and when I got back home, like I started, you know, I had dropped out of college. I started working at a factory third shift and like it all went downhill from there. You know, I started dating this guy who like I knew in the past and yeah. we really had this grand scheme together about how we were going to do things and just this and that, you know, and like it just got bad real fast. You know, like I was using with my little sister yeah, and like kids. I was now that adult that was like hanging with the kids and like that is probably my deepest regret. But like, thank God, like I am now able to make those amends and like be able to just forgive myself by just being present in their lives. And by being different, by you being different, by you living out your transformation, Mm -hmm. like you're showing them that there's something better and it's it's not what you guys were living before. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So and like at this point, you know, I'm like completely gone, like. My mom's completely worried about me. Like I got kicked out of her house because, or kind of, I really don't know what happened there. I don't remember. It's all fuzzy, mm-hmm. but kind of got kicked out of her house, went and lived with my aunt and then was working third shift. So like I could play this role really good because like nobody sees me. Mm. I'm like sleeping during the day, which is like perfect for what I was doing. Sleeping like, during the day up all hours of the night, 
sleeping during the day, you know, and then I lost weight so fast, just like all the things. And at this point, I'm barely even drinking. Like alcohol has like no longer like sufficed, you know, like it, it would, if that's all that I could get, it would, but like now I'm doing other things and other substances, you know? I remember you driving one time and us being on the phone together. And I remember like a cop being behind you or something. And like, you were like, I got to go. And I was just so afraid. I, I knew you were really living the fast life at that point. And it it had gotten really dark. Mm -hmm. There was a few times that I was like, I should have, I should have been arrested. You know, I should have been arrested. I um, hit a deer once in the middle of day, like while I was completely out of my mind. And like, I was a person when I was younger, like 16, once I got my car and like got my first job, because like, I always worked hard. That is one thing. Like I always worked hard. I always worked for my money because we didn't have much, you know, like we had enough, we had enough and I had more than enough, but like, it never was enough. Yeah. it wasn't what everybody else had, you know? So yeah. like I worked hard for my money and I took pride in that. Um, my mom made me pay my own bills, you know, all the things. And I got in this accident while I was high out of my mind, hit this deer in the middle of daylight and like Pearson and Pearson and like the Pearson officer came over and like, I was like, Oh no, like he's going to know, you know, but like he didn't say anything. He just was like, are you okay? You know, when I drove on home, but like, I was so out of my mind that like, I just gave my car to my sister, like went without a car for a while. I took, or I traded my sister cars cause I couldn't, I didn't want to pay the, depo- the mm-hmm. insurance on it, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and then like shortly after that, like I found out that like the cops were watching me. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. I had gotten like, um, pulled over quite a bit, but nothing like no searches or nothing, you know, but I had been getting mm-hmm. pulled over quite a bit. Do you think they were playing the long game with you then? I think so, probably, because, like, I'm a small dog. You know, like, I was a very small dog. Yeah. But, like, I found out because, like, my sister was – my sister got in an ex. I was living in Fort Wayne at the time, like, dating this guy, doing the things, dating this guy, living in his grandma's roof, like, or his – her upstairs, you know? I remember. (laughs) Yeah. And, like, it's – so, side note, I was, like – I didn't know how bad I had really gotten. And she like had me like stand on her countertop because she was installing something. And she was like, you're so light. You can't even weigh down this countertop, you know? Mm. And I, it was just like an aha moment for me, yeah. you know, that was like, oh, I've really gotten bad. But like, I didn't care. I also had an eating disorder for a long time. So like I'm doing stuff that's making me lose weight. Like I'm happy on that too. Right. And, like fed all these things. But anyways, so my sister got in an accident. It was like, I think it was went I don't know it wasn't winter time but she pulled fell off on this on the dirt road like went off you know yeah, Got yeah. An accident the cops came to the scene they called my mom my mom came to the scene and the cops like said to my mom you know we're gonna have to search your daughter's vehicle and she's like okay go ahead you know but I figured and they were like no like you don't understand like one of the Obermeyer girls is suspected of dealing meth heroin and cocaine and she was like oh well it's not this daughter it's this daughter she wait she ratted you out she ratted me out she ratted me out. Your mom is such a, like, I want to say, I don't, I'm just going to say it. She's a badass. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. She's so, oh, she's a G. She's like, nope, nope, yeah, no, no, Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's not this daughter. It's this one. Like, meanwhile, my sister is like 16 in a soccer uniform. Like, yeah. Cool. You know, she's like, not that one. Yeah. Not this one. You got the wrong one. Mm-hmm. And like, also my name was known around town. Just yeah. like yours was, you know, like they knew who I was. They yeah. knew who the Overmeyers were. So. Because of my dad, you know, like they just, mm -hmm, they knew there was this 
thing around our names. You know, sometimes we were treated better because of it, like, or sympathy. Mm -hmm. And then sometimes it was like a little bit worse, you know? Yeah. Yep. Yep. So she told him who I was. And then my sister calls me and lets me know that mom just ratted me out to the cops. And meanwhile, I'm getting ready to go do what I do and go make my cells during the day, you know? And I'm like, oh no, I'm driving on an expired tag with a busted headlight. Like, yes. Yes. I remember all that. Yeah. Yes. All these things. And I'm like, oh no, like I'm about to get arrested. And I, that was one thing that I had going for me was that I had never been arrested and I did not want to be arrested. And the guy that I was dating at the time had been arrested for the same thing. And he was like, oh, deuces, I'm out and was, and went to rehab. Oh, really? He just dipped after that. Mm-hmm. Very short. Once he found out that like something was happening and he also was like an addict and had issues, you know? And like, I think like he had already been to rehab once. Mm-hmm. And like when he came into my life, I think it was like a perfect thing because I don't know that I would have gone to rehab had he not like told me that he thought it might be good for me. He dipped out, said he was going to rehab. I was like, okay, have fun. Like, I think you should. But like, I don't have a problem is what I said. Mm. You know, so I dropped him off at the airport, I think, or maybe his mom did. I don't know what happened, but he went to the airport and then I was, I was, I had to leave his grandma's house. You know, I'm like living at his grandma's house. I got to figure out what I'm going to do. My mom had mentioned rehab, but I wasn't ready to hear it. And then once he got to California, he called me and he was like, Hey, you should really think about going too. Like, I think you would benefit from it, you know, and then you can come out here where I'm at, you know, like out in Cali, we can go to the same one, like all these things. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, you're right. Um, maybe I should, but like, I don't think I have a problem, you know? And so then I'm sitting there at this, like, I don't, I'm sitting at a light and I'm just like, I have this bag of stuff, you know? And I'm like, okay, I can, either just get rid of this, you know, and no longer do it and call it quits now, or I can do the rest of it and then be done after that. But like in my mind, in that moment, I knew that there was no way like that last bag was never going to be enough without a solution to replace it. Mm. So I tried to run my car off the road. It didn't really work. I don't think I really wanted to kill myself, but like I thought I did, you know, like it was like this whole thing, this whole dramatic thing that like, but I also think like God was there that was like, I'm not done with you yet. You Mm. know, like I'm not done with you yet. And I had like came close, you know, like my boyfriend at the time had overdosed like weeks before this, you know, and I wasn't doing the same stuff as him, but I was like, what on earth? And then I had like had this really weird thing where I don't know what it was, but like my whole body went numb and I thought I was dying. My heart was racing, like all of this stuff. It was just a weird, all these experiences that I was like, I think I'm going to die soon. Yeah. And I think like God was just like, I'm not done with you yet. So it's crazy to me how like, you don't think it's a problem like even like you're living these like horrific like instances that only like you would watch in a movie somebody who has a problem would be experiencing but when you're living it personally it's like you don't realize it's a problem until it's too late usually mm-hmm. yeah i had no i mean when i was in when i was younger and drinking and stuff it was a problem like it was a problem. Like I was getting blackout and doing things that I would never do sober. You know, like I slept with a friend's boyfriend. I would never do that sober ever in my right mind. Would I do that? And I still own amends for that. Yeah. Yeah. Like just so many things that like I did while I was 
drinking or while I was trying to get that next drink or drug, you know, yeah, that I never would have done. I just was never in my right mind. So I go home, I go to my mom's house and I pull in her house and I call her and I tell her, you know, like, I think I'm ready to go to rehab. And like, that was my first experience in rehab, not my last one, but it was my first one. And that time when I went to rehab, I thought that I was going to be going to California with him, you know, and my mom was like, no, no, I don't think that's the best idea. I think like, if you two are meant to be together, you'll meet up after when you're sober. Smart mama. (laughs) Smart mom, mom, you know, because like we weren't, you know, like we were not, we were, I think we had been, I don't know. I don't even think like I loved him. You know, I thought I did at the time, but I don't think I ever did. I think that I loved the idea of having somebody to be just as screwed up as I was. You know, I didn't have to play this role. I didn't have to play the role of the good girl who has her crap together. You know, because I dated a guy who I had to play the role of the good girl who has her crap together. And like, I hated it. Because then you're challenged to be better. Mm -hmm. You're like on that downward spiral. That's you don't want that. That's why my parents, they don't talk to me at all. They go completely ghost if they're spiraling because they don't want the accountability of having to be better for somebody. Yeah. My dad does the same thing. It's like, um, I, I remember him like catch the guy who like wanted me to be better, like catching me, like doing drugs in his driveway and was just like, you need to stop. Like I can help you, you know? And I was like, (laughs) I was like, okay. You know? And I was then like, from then on, I was like, "Eh, not interested. You know, like I do not need anybody to save me. Mm -hmm. Um, so I, my mom decided I was going to rehab. She helped me get into rehab, like, and I ended up in, in Florida, you know? Um, and I remember on my way to rehab being like, so excited because I was leaving. I wasn't about to get arrested. Like I was, you know, yeah. I was running, you know, I was running from my life and I was excited about it. Mm-hmm. Um, got into rehab and like detoxed and everything. And I learned a lot my first, you know, I ended up getting seven months sober. Like it was an amazing thing. Like I had built this relationship with God, but like I met this guy, you know, like in rehab at the time. And like, I put all my focus on him. You know, I grew up saving my dad. I grew up having to take care of my dad when he was drunk and doing the things, you know, and trying to get him sober and all of this. And now I'm sober. I'm like a whole, what, maybe 30 days sober at this point in time. And I'm now dating this guy and he keeps relapsing. And I'm like, I can help you. I can help you. Ah, yeah. So your focus was now uh, shifted to somebody else and not on your own healing or recovery. Mm -hmm. So as soon as I got out of rehab, um, I, I also had a really strong, like a really bad eating disorder at this point while I was in rehab, because like now that the drugs aren't there to keep the weight off, like I need something, you know? I need something and I need something to focus on. You know, like I was always trying to fill this like God hole. Yeah. God hole right here. And I'm trying to fill it, trying to fill it with men. I'm trying to fill it with drugs. I'm trying to fill it with food or without food, you know, like with clothes, all the things, you know? So I had this eating disorder and I was supposed to go to treatment. That didn't work out. Um, Like I ended up, I was going to treatment and then I couldn't, it was like Thanksgiving time. So they couldn't get me in, you know, it was like a weird thing. Um. I know so, you ran away from from rehab a time or two, didn't you? Yeah. yeah. So I I go back and I'm in halfway house and doing like the IOP things and like going to 12 step meetings and stuff. And um, but I'm going to the meetings, right? And like, 
but I'm, my focus is on this guy. So I'm not working the steps. I'm not doing much about it. And he keeps relapsing or whatever. And it just is this whole situation. Then I, I built a relationship back with my dad. I hadn't talked to my dad for quite a while before I got sober or before I got sober the first time, like years, I want to say I wrote him a letter. Cause like, that's like one thing that like the 12 step program has taught me is like forgiveness mm. and like understanding, like not necessarily saying like what he did was, wasn't wrong, you know, because like, of course, you know, he did a lot wrong, yeah. you know, but like understanding that he's a sick person. Yes. And understanding like he's a sick person. I'm a sick person too, you know, yeah. and that I can forgive him for that. You know, I can accept him as a sick person and understand that he did the best he could with what he had. Yes. Um, and then you I, become free in that. Mm-hmm. And it's still a thing that I work on sometimes, but like lately, especially like I've just had this like freedom from my dad, you know, I love him so much, but like this forgiveness and understanding and lack of expectation, like yeah. I have no expectation on my dad to be a dad. Yep. You know, like I don't expect I'm. 24 years old, you know, like I'm okay. But with that, like lack of expectation on him, like I still give him like the respect to like allow him to be part of my life, you know, and allow him in a way that's like safe for me, safe for me, still protecting me and my boundaries and my health, you know, but like just, just understanding that he's a sick person and like, he's going to say wrong and he's going to do wrong and he's going to mess up, you know, and like, that's okay. Right. Because I've done it time and time again. The only difference between me and him is that I didn't have a kid. That is the only difference. That's true. But also like you, you keep seeking to become better and like Mm -hmm. you do have a kid now and like Mm -hmm. you would never, you would never put him through that. And, and I struggle, I still struggle with my dad with that. Like that's been the most freeing thing is like you said, releasing expectation like you can't expect him to be a dad he's just never going to be a dad um but I've I noticed like when my dad gets better and he starts to recover a little bit that hope comes back where I'm like oh my gosh like this could be something like he's going to be at my wedding he's going to be a grandpa to my kids like Mm -hmm. all these things I get really excited about and then he falls down again and then it it hurts all over again and it you know, it's like this cycle. And I'm like, I already knew this. Like I already learned this to stop expecting, but like, you also want to have hope because redemption is possible. Like, like your life, my life, like those are examples of the fact that redemption is possible. I just don't get why it, it doesn't seem to be that easy for some people. Mm-hmm. I parents. Yeah, for sure. I feel similar. I don't know if you know, but my dad's back in prison. Okay. So, um, my dad got out right recent, like a couple last year. Okay. Yeah. 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 So my dad got out last year. Um, he met my son, like all the things. And then he relapsed and came and got clean with me about it, you know, and like told me my dad has expressed that he's not interested in the 12 step programs. He doesn't think that they work. He thinks that they're garbage like regardless of like what I show him you know like and I'm not gonna push that on him because I am not a walking perfect person you know Mm -hmm. like I think that like he he's on his own journey you know and like I can't I can't push this on anybody I can only help people who want to be helped so I wasn't gonna push that on him I did suggest it a few times but it wasn't from there it was on it was over you know like I'm not gonna keep doing that yeah Um, 
but he relapsed, got honest with me about it. You know, my sisters were, of course, like they have their own different resentments against him. You know, they aren't addicts like me, you know, they're not an alcoholic like me. So they don't have the same kind of forgiveness like I do. Yeah. That mercy. Mm -hmm. And like, I also have to not try to save my dad and say, Hey girls, like maybe you should be a little easy on dad, you know? Yeah. So, you know, he relapsed, he ended up, he didn't get arrested for that relapse. Like, um, he didn't get caught. I don't know what happened, but, um, and then recently, like he drank and, um, had to blow into a breathalyzer like hours later and got arrested. And like when my dad first got out, you know, like I was so happy, like he, you know, was sober, like he was trying to do the things like this and that. And then he relapsed. And then it was like this, like pain inside that, like I felt, you know, but I was like surrounded by sober women, sober, godly women. When I found this information out, you know, and they were just like, okay, you know, you, you do you trust in God? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Like <laughs> whatever you, whatever you got going on, give it to God, you know, like whatever you got going on, whatever these feelings are inside of you, give it to God. Yeah. I'm inspired by the community that you've built up around yourself. Um, I definitely see that as being something that's essential in coming out of a life, like what we lived before. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, yeah, I love that. Like all your group pictures, just like the village you've built around yourself. Hey, you guys, if you're in a relationship and trying to figure out if he's the one, or maybe you're recently single and taking a step back to figure out how to best go about finding the one, I have the ebook for you. Head over to the link in my bio or in the comment section from wherever you're listening to find my latest ebook, How to Know If He's the One. In this ebook, I share the worst of my relational mistakes and how Jesus finally showed me there was a better way. Gradually, he began to mend my heart, and I know he will do the same for you too. Okay, so we're nearing the part of the story where you got out of this. Yeah, yeah. So um, I'm in treatment, or I'm in halfway house, you know, and like um, I built this relationship back up with my dad. Um, kind of still like I was still very reserved at this point in time, but kind of, you know, and then uh, it was. I wasn't really working a program. Like I was going to meetings and doing the things, but like I was still focusing on everything else, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and then I was living in a halfway house with a bunch of women. Right. So like me um, and like, I want to say three other women at the time, one, two, three, four, four other women at the time. And I had been living with these women for like five months at this time probably. It's like, I built a relationship with them, you know, like this, like bond and this friendship. And, uh, I left, um, the house one day and like my roommate, she was like older, but she was like a mother figure to me, you know, like she was like that mom to me while I was there made sure that I ate, like left candy on the counter, you know? Yeah. Um, she left or I left during the day and said bye to her. And I knew something was off with her. She like thrown out my toothbrush or something. And I was like, Hey, you threw out my toothbrush. And she was like, Oh, I'm sorry. I'll get you a new one. And I left, I went to go get a tattoo. It was St. Patrick's day. I came back home and, um, found her dead. So she had died of an overdose and I had no way to deal. You know, I had no way to deal at that point in time. I ended up sleeping like 
on a park bench or something. Like, I don't even remember, but I was just like out of my mind. I went, you know, I didn't use, I wanted to. I remember walking by a gas station and looking at the alcohol and being like, that looks really good right now. Like that night, but I didn't that night. I ended up getting a job like a couple days or maybe it was while, while this was going on. I already had this job, but like I was working at a pub and mm. I was serving alcohol. I'm a sober person serving alcohol. And eventually like me and the boyfriend broke up. He was going back into rehab. My roommate had died. Like just things were happening and I was not okay. And eventually that drink started to look good. I didn't drink at work, but I went out to lunch with a couple of friends and one of those friends from rehab had relapsed and I had didn't have my fake ID anymore because like when I got sober, I cut it up as like a, I'm done drinking. You know, I'm 20 at the time. I still wasn't even up the legal or I was 19. Oh my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> I forgot about that. <laughs> yeah. I was like 19 or 20. So I still wasn't even at the legal age to drink and I'm already in rehab. I just remember like going out to this restaurant with them and he ordered a drink. And then I was like, man, I can order a drink right now. You know, like if God doesn't want me to drink and he thinks I'm an alcoholic, they're not going to serve it to me because I don't have my ID. You know, like that was my like justification. Yeah. My justification for it. My sponsor texted me at the time and was like, Hey, do you want to want me to pick you up? I'll pick you up wherever you are. And we can go to a meeting, you know? And I was like, no, I'm okay. I'm out with friends. Took that drink. And then next thing you know, I'm taking shots at the bar. And then next thing you know, I'm running through Pompano looking for drugs. Wow. Like it was that fast. You know what this makes me think of too, is how we're never put in a situation where God doesn't give us a way out. And your sponsor reaching out to you was definitely that. Yes. (laughs) 1000%. I'm like, God, if God wants me to drink, like he'll let that person serve me. Like, no, like God's not going to do it for me. God's not going to do it for me. I have to be able to resist the temptation and trust what he puts in front of me. Yeah. You know, and like he put that in front of me, that guilt that was in me, that was God. That was God saying, Hey, like maybe you shouldn't do this. Yes. Yes. So I started drinking in Pompano. I come home, my house, um, like the person who owned the house who I loved so much and had so much respect for gave me a breathalyzer. As soon as I walked in the door, that was another God moment. You know, she was like, Hey, I think you've been drinking. And I was like, Mm, blew into it. And she's like, you have something to tell me? And I was like, yeah, I'm a little drunk. And she was like, okay, well, you can't stay here unless if you want to go back into inpatient. And I said, not going to do that. So I was going to go grab my things. And she was like, you know, I'll let you stay here. I'm going to let you stay here. Like, but like, it's really against the rules. And she was going to let, she let me stay there. Um, Another God thing, you know, like she was giving me that, like, she was giving me that inch, you know, that little bit that I needed to like get back on track. Mm. Um, But at that point, like once you put that drink in you, you know, like, it's like, I put that drink in me and then all this, all the um, like ways to get out of it wasn't a thought, you know, like it was just the next drink, the next drink, the next, like that obsession of the mind. It was so, so bad. So I ended up saving up some money and booked a flight to go back to Indiana because I don't know how to use in Florida, you know, you don't have the connects. Yeah. I don't have the connects. Company is a little sketch, you know? And I was like, I'm not trying to do that. I'm going to go back to where I know I can manipulate and get my way. Yeah. So I went back to Indiana used for a week before I even, I lived in this like 
house, you know, like that was basically a crack house, you know, like lived in this house um, and used for a week before I even told my family I was home. And then I went to my mom's house, ripped all the tags off my luggage, like a week later and was like, Hey mom, I'm home. Like, and like, I was surprising her. Like I had just, uh-huh. gone the plane, <laughs> and I had not, you know, and she knew. And a few days later I got kicked out. You know, I have, my mom has, I have a little sister. So yeah. at the time she was like 10 and she's like, no. Right. Yeah. No, I'm not. I went through this with your dad. I'm not going through this with you and kicked me out. And she's, well, she gave me the option. You can stay here and not use, or you can leave. And I was like, I can't do that. So I'm going to leave. I'm just surprised you didn't try to lie and like act like you were going to. No, because at that point I had built a bond with my mom. Like I had this trust for her and this respect for her. Like that was another thing that like sobriety um, gave me, you know, was like this respect and like this honest, you know, Mm -hmm. like I didn't want I don't know. I didn't want to, I also had like some guilt in me, you know? And if I lived there, I wasn't gonna be able to use the way I wanted to, you know, I was going to have a curfew. I was going to be able to do what, you know, and I was using all day and all night. So I ended up going back to this, um, essentially crack house and living with this guy who I was friends with before and manipulated my way and became into a relationship with this guy. I wasn't really interested in him, but like, yeah, you know, I convinced myself that I was because he had what I wanted. Yeah. And when I tell you the crazy stuff that happened in that house, man, like he was abusive. I was abusive. Like it was just a hot mess. But like I would, you know, we would get into a fight and altercation physical, you know, and then I would leave and then I would come back, you know, like I can blame it all on him. But like I was chasing it just as much as he was giving it, you know? Uh, yeah. Um, my relapse only lasted one month, one month and like a few days. And I had hit all of the bottoms that I thought I never would, you know, I used in ways that I said I never would. I was virtually homeless. I had no car. I had no friends. I had no money. I had nothing at this point. You know, the cops had arrested one of my friends leaving the house to go cop for me. Oh, wow. Yeah. So like, I, you know, again, you know, I was on the verge of like getting arrested. I was living off of like fruity pebbles and McDonald's McChickens, you know, like they were still a dollar. I don't think that they are anymore, but they were still a dollar. Um, (laughs) and I was living off of like that. I was still on the, like in contact with my therapist from Florida. Um, still kept contact with her. I kept contact with my dad and one day I was using and a man came over and we used together and he said, Hey, you're so-and-so's daughter, aren't you? I said, yeah. He said, I used to mess or get effed up with your dad. I was like, Oh, I'm using with somebody that used to use with my dad. Mm. Mm-hmm. And that was like a, Oh, who am I? Yeah. It seems yeah. like. Mm-hmm. That was like a moment that I was like, oh no, you know, and uh, my dad called me because he was calling me a lot from prison those days because he was worried about me, you know? Yeah. Um, and I told him who I saw and he was like, what are you doing? You need to go to your Nana's house. I don't care. Go somewhere. You know, like you need to get stop hanging out with the people that you're hanging out with. Yeah. Yeah. And I, of course, didn't listen to him. I was like, whatever, you know, <laughs> look at you, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. 
but uh very shortly after that like I don't really know what happened but I got in a fight oh I got in a fight with a guy um went to my friend's house and thank god for that friend and her mom because anytime that I got in a fight with him that friend was there picking me up I got to stay at her her house you know her mom would tell me all the time how much like she knew that I was going to aspire to be mm-hmm. I just hadn't reached it yet you know she was like you have this like I know she believes hard yeah she had this hope for me you know not that like my mom, my mom didn't, you know, but at that point in time, I was hiding all that I was doing for my mom. This woman was seeing me at my like very worst, you know, and she was like, let me into her house, but I wasn't allowed there when they weren't there, you know? So this day he had kicked me out, threw all my stuff out. I went to their house. She was like, you can't stay here while we're not there. Like we don't, you know, it's just, they didn't trust me and I don't blame them. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And so I went, I called my sister. My sister came and picked me up. She was furious. My sisters, none of them could even look at me at this point and went back to my mom's house. Um, and I ended up stealing all the change in my family's house, in my mom's house. Oh my gosh. Ben's changed our, like my sister's changed our, stole my sister's car and went to Fort Wayne to try to go cop and got what I needed and then went into a psychosis. You know, my mind was completely messed up. I had no idea where I was or whatever. And my mom found me and my sister took her car back, gave me a hug. And I couldn't figure out why they were all crying. I was like, you guys are being so dramatic. I'm fine. You know, mm-hmm. and I get in my mom's car and I like, I think I fell asleep. I really don't know what happened, but I think I fell asleep and I woke up like an hour or so later. And I was like, where are we going? Or I was like, where are we? And she's like, we're in Michigan. I was like, what are we doing in Michigan? She's like, we're going to the airport. You're going back to rehab. <laughs> I was like, I am not. I am not. And she was like, yes, you are. And I was like, absolutely not. I was like, you haven't even given me a chance to get sober here. Like all high and mighty, you know? And and she's like, okay, like, no. So then she calls my grams and I convinced my grams that I should be able to stay, you know? And my, and mom's like, okay, hanging up on grams. Yeah. 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 She calls my stepdad who like raised me, you know? she calls my stepdad and he's like, if she doesn't want to go, don't make her go. Like, it's not going to work, you know, because at that point he was just fed up. He'd yeah. watched my mom go through the ringer with me. Yeah. Um, and he was just like, if she doesn't want to go, it's all, it's not going to work. You know, you know, she has to be willing, but my mom didn't listen. And like, I got on that plane and I went to rehab and it happened to be the same. It was a different rehab, but it was the same people that worked in my old rehab that were working there. Wow. Okay. Mm-hmm. So I get there and. The first two weeks were awful. I was, I really experienced like what it was like to not want to be there and to hit this bottom. You know, I had virtually nothing, you know, and I was just miserable, like all this skill. And I was so miserable and I wouldn't call my mom. I wouldn't talk to her. It took me a while. It took me like, I was inpatient for like three months and like, usually it's 30 days. Like I was inpatient for three months because I was just so out of my mind, like insane and just so angry. But about three months in, I came to this point where like, I didn't want to live anymore, but like, um, I didn't know what else to do. And like, I was on all the kinds of medication. I took this medication and I had this plan. Like I was storing this medication. I had this plan that I was going to try to kill myself. And my therapist found out and put me back inpatient instantly. Um, another God moment, you know, Yeah. He just keeps protecting you left and right. 
left and right. And I think like he works in so many people, you know, I know he does, you know? So I go back inpatient and then I meet, um, one day this man walks in and it's my now fiance. Um, I, once again, I did the thing though, where like I was focusing on a man and I did that thing. Um, thank God this time, like I had a strong enough, like connection with God and and not that it was strong. It wasn't that strong, but I had a strong enough connection with God that I was able to see like, okay, I need to like do something, you know? Um, but (laughs) got into a relationship with this guy in rehab and, um, finally was like, okay, I'm just going to give the steps a chance, you know, gave the steps a chance. And like, once he was able to leave, he was court ordered to rehab. Like, and I was like, Ooh, you're my kind of guy. (laughs) Ankle bracelet check. Um, was he taking the steps serious at that point? Like, um, he had actually already had more time sober than I did even. So he got sober in March and I got sober in June. He had just moved from another, he was court ordered for a set amount of months to go to rehab. So like he came there after he was done at the other rehab type of thing. Okay. Um, so he had already like been working the steps and doing the things, you know? Yeah. Um, and he had been through this gig many times. Yeah. His stories are fascinating too, just based on the couple that I've heard. (laughs) (laughs) So he, uh, ended up, we were in this relationship thing, like everybody advised against it. And honestly, I would advise against it, you know, like, because I think there was a point in time that like, it very well could have taken me out. He was going back to where we live now and I was going with him. So I am barely sober. I was see June, July, August, September, October, November. I was five months sober and I'm moving in with this guy. Oh my gosh. Um, so I moved to this area and I, we were going to meetings. He was on house arrest virtually it's community control, um, here, but it basically house arrest without the ankle bracelet. And so we, he was just going to work, going to meetings and that was it. We didn't have a car. Luckily we did have a house. Like he had a house, you know? And so I moved in with him and there came a point in time when I was, we were together, I was happy, but like, and we were going to meetings, but I was just miserable inside, you know, like I didn't want to die, but I didn't really want to keep living the way I was living, you know? Yeah. Um, and I was like, I got to do something. And so I finally, finally, after a few months of living here, asked somebody to be my sponsor <laughs> and like started working the steps. It's funny because the person that I picked, I picked because like she had a record and she'd been to prison and like, you know, yeah. all the things. And she is the most godly person I have ever met in my entire life. <laughs> like, and she is probably the best person that could have you know, cause she'd been through a lot of things that were similar and she took me through the steps, you know, there's 12 steps in the program and like the programs and all of them are the same essentially. And it's all leading you to God, all of them. Like they're all meant to lead, lead you to God in this relationship with God, because like I can't, but he can, we've all been trying to fill this hole inside. We got to fill it with God or we're not, we're going to keep filling it with yeah. other things. And then it's going to get back empty, you know? So, and she helped me build this relationship with God. And like, I was on my knees praying every single day, you know, and I was doing the things and then shortly, shortly, but or sh- slowly, but surely I was happy again, you know, wow. um, 
It's yeah. kind of like eating healthy though, right? Where it's like, you have to do it every day. Like you've got to do it every day to feel like, I know I need to seek him every day. Otherwise, like I'm going to be losing my marbles. <laughs> yes. It's funny because even still today, right? So today, for example, um, when I woke up, I didn't pray. Like I didn't do the things, you know, like I still fall short sometimes. Yeah. And like, I have a two-year-old, you know, and like, he love him so much. But today was just one of those days yeah. where like, he was cranky, I'm cranky. And like, I'm having just one of those days. And I'm like, finally, I, my, I texted my friend and I was just like, what can I do? You know, like, what can I do to like calm myself? Because like, I'm getting mad and like, I don't want to get mad at my two-year-old, you know, like he's two. Um, he's two. I don't want to get mad at him and his little emotions that he doesn't even know about, you know? Um, and she's like, gave me a list of things. And the last one was like, did you pray about it? You know, like, did you pray about it? Did you give it to God? And like, that's the relationships that I have in my life today. All of my friends, like if I call them with a problem, it's like, did you pray about it? Yeah. You know, goodness, that's so good. That's what we need. You know, like all the friendships that just like enable and let you get, get away with whatever you want. Like that's not love. Mm -mm. Love Love isn't going to let you do those things and destroy yourself. Yes. And that's like something that I had to like learn too, because I said, you know, like I had this like resentment against all the people that I used to use with and this and that. And like some of them, like they were just trying to help me, you know? And they were just telling me like, Hey, like, I think you're not okay. But like, I was so angry with them, but like, they were showing me love. Yeah. And um, I didn't know it at the time. Yeah. Well, that brings me into my, my last question here, really. And that's what you would go back and tell yourself then slash think of like a young woman like you. And a theme I get from your story too, is like, you didn't think you had a problem. Mm-hmm. You didn't think you had a problem just over and over and over, like, you know, throughout the whole span of it. So I don't even know what you could tell somebody in that position. Like that's really hard. So if you could think of anything that might got, might have gotten through to you at that time or meant something to you, what would it have been? Um, I think even though like I would say I didn't have a problem at the time, like I would still try to control the things in different ways, you know, like I would say like, I'm only going to do this much today and this and that. And like, what I would tell myself is like people who are trying to normal people don't have to control their drinking. Normal people don't have to control their drinking. Normal people don't have to say, okay, I'm just going to have one glass, you know, like they're not telling themselves that, you know, like they're not like really trying to work themselves up for that, you know, I would tell myself that. And I would also tell myself, like, you're not done yet. You are not done yet. And just watch for the God moments, Mm. you know, watch for the God moments as they come. Because I think like that was one thing that somebody told me was just to watch for the God moments once I got sober. And then I looked back and I was like, man, there were so many. Mm. The unfortunate thing is we we tend to not notice those God moments until we're looking in hindsight. Mm-hmm. So the trick is, is to figure out how to see it when it's happening. Yes. <laughs> I um, Now I think I do a little bit of a better job at it. You know, like I like to think I do. Sometimes it's still hindsight, you know, but like I still think that I try to do a better job at it. 
I also think LJ saved your life. Like, I think you needed somebody to love and care for. And like, you always grew up caring for all your little siblings. And I feel like as you got older and more independent and you didn't have anybody to take care of, you just like went crazy. Like nobody was depending on you. You didn't have to be anything for anybody. Yeah. It just like God's timing and all of that. Like, and I say the same thing about how, so when I met V, I was going, I was kind of going through a 12 step, but for the adult children version. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I remember. Yeah. And everybody there was like, this is like, do not move. Like, do not move and like marry this guy right now. Like you're, you're going through this program. Like everybody told me it was a bad idea. And if I were to look at somebody in my position, I might tell them it was a bad idea too, but God just does things that don't make sense sometimes. And mm-hmm. so like, like the first time of you focusing on somebody else in rehab, like that was detrimental because you needed to focus on your healing. But also it's like, God knows what we're going to do before we even do it. And he works through people too. He sends people and V I always say V is like the backslide police in my house. Like he does not let me do anything that's going to destroy myself. And, and I needed him at the time that he came because I had started to backslide again. Yeah. And so I feel like that with, with John and LJ is that they, they came into your life. Like God put them in your life right at that point to just snatch you and ground you. And you're not going anywhere. Like (laughs) now you're just growing up. Now you're not just like, going all around you're finally growing up that energy is going up yeah I think like as far as like do I ever think like I'm gonna have a drink again as long as I'm talking to God I'm not you know like as long as I'm keeping this relationship with God I'm not gonna have a drink again and I'm not gonna pick up a drug again but like let me tell you if I'm not talking to God and I and also though like I can go a period of time because I've gone periods of times where like I think you know or I forget I get so busy in life that I forget to stop and appreciate God and say, thank you, God, like yeah. today, you know, and then I start acting out like I'm not I'm not drinking and I'm not using and doing the things. But like I do have these moments where like I'm being a little bit more snippy than what I could be. You know, I'm not being very forgiving and loving and kind. Instead, I'm being a little bit of, you know. I'm, I'm going to judge you. You know, I'm not leaving it to God to judge you and tell you what to do. I'm trying to do it. Yeah. Um, and I think those are the days and like, those are the God moments where I like, I look at myself and I'm like, Oh, like I've had to make amends in sobriety, like amends to John amends to LJ. Like I apologize to my child. That's so good. You know, <laughs> like I apologize to my child. And let me tell you, like, there was not a lot of times that our parents apologized to us, you yeah. know? Oh my gosh. It's, it's like hard. true and honest, like amends, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and like, I've learned to apologize to my child and admit when I'm wrong and apologize to John and admit when I'm wrong. And even though he's wrong, because let me tell you, it's hard dating somebody that's in the 12 step program and doing the things because when I make an amends to him for being mad at him for something that he did, I want him to make an amends back to me and he doesn't always do it. Mm. He doesn't always do it. And it's like, just trusting God, just being, you know, God's person, you know, being one of those people that follow God and just. Yeah. Being an example, doing what you you're supposed to do, even if the other person isn't according to how you see fit. Mm -hmm. It's hard sometimes, but like, I think that, 
I don't know this life. I was driving home today after, cause like I texted my friend that, and then she's like, you want to come over for dinner? So I went over there for dinner because I was going to be alone with LJ tonight and I was going crazy. Yeah. So I went over there for dinner and let the kids play. And then I was driving home and I was just like, I started praying out loud in the car. You know, I do that often. And I was just like, God, like allow me to like be more grateful, you know, allow me to like be grateful to you and just continue to be grateful for to you and have more open communication with you. And I said, amen. And then I hear my two-year-old in the back say, amen. <laughs> and it's like, I'm like, okay. And then I get home and we, I give him a bath, you know, and put him to bed and we do our prayer and he prays at night. And it's just like oh my the goodness. sweetest thing, you know, <laughs> like watching his two little tiny hands say, God, thank you. Amen. Oh, he's watching you. <laughs> It's like, oh, and then some days I'm like, you want me to pray or you want to pray? And he's like, no, I want dad to pray. And it's like a cool thing because he makes us, he, he, he's reminding us like, Hey, wow. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm so excited for when the time comes when I have a little, a little mm-hmm. pop. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's an amazing, amazing thing. Um, and he has these little friends and they all pray together, you know, like we're sitting at dinner and they pray. Or we go to our friend's house and they're praying before lunch, you know, and it's like it's so cute or like we're praying like the first time that I knew that he knew how to pray. I didn't even know because I'm praying with my eyes closed. And then um, my sponsor nudged me and I opened my eyes and the boys are sitting there and no they're way. like a year and a half old and they're sitting there with their hands closed oh and hands together. And I was like, wow, mm-hmm. it, it's just such an amazing thing to like watch God work through me, work through him and yeah. work through everybody in my life, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I think when you have a kid too, like a little baby, that's yours. It's easier to see those God moments mm-hmm. through their eyes too. And through their experiences. And it's like, he's my, he's my kid. God trusted. It's God's kid. Really. It's God's kid. And God trusted me to be the mother to this kid. And like on those days, when I want to like, think like I'm not the best mom or I'm not doing things, you know, oh gosh. God trusts me with this child. God yeah. trusts me with this child. And I'm doing, I'm doing it, you know? Wow. I have those moments even as a wife where mm-hmm. I'm like, sometimes I self-deprecate and I'm like, I don't know, maybe somebody could love him better. Like, I'm really bad at this. And I'm like, wait, God obviously trusted me to be the one to do this. Mm-hmm. I can do it. Yep. I can do it. Aww. Man, these men are hard sometimes. So I know. Yeah. Yeah. Keeping God in the center is a good thing. <laughs> For sure. Yeah. Is there anything else if you're thinking like who might watch this? Is there any final things that you'd want to share with them? I want to say like, cause when I first started, the God word was really scary. When I first started this whole thing, the God word was so scary. And like, I didn't know what God was. All I knew was that my dad hated God. Mm-hmm. That's all I knew. I knew what he was. That's that's a lie. I knew, but I knew that my dad hated God and like he had to hate me too because look what I was, all I was doing, you know? Even if you don't call him God right now, just believe in something higher than yourself, you know, and put your faith in that and eventually maybe you'll get there. That's all I have for you today. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed this show, I'd love to have you leave a review, share it with a friend, and even connect with me on other platforms. It's at Michaela Nicolenko on Instagram and TikTok, 
And we also have an at Raised and Redeemed Instagram account too. I look forward to connecting with you there. Until next time, stay well and God bless you.